so glad that you have joined us today. And usually every Sunday when I start, I ask you to open your Bible. And for the last two years, we've been going through the book of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. And a few months ago, I realized that I think that's going to end the week before Easter. And I preach verse by verse, book by book. And so I thought, oh no, what will we do for Easter Sunday? And so everything in me wants to be able to get up here and tell you to turn to 3 Samuel. But if you have ever read your Bible, you will know that there is no 3 Samuel. And so I want to ask that if you would turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, Easter is always a special Sunday. In the first service we talked about this. But I had the privilege during the song service today... A young man came up and said that he would like to be saved. So I got to spend the song service leading a young man to salvation in Jesus Christ. And so all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And so we're so thankful for that. And so today we want you to know that if you're here without the Lord, we would love to speak with you before you leave about what it takes to be saved. But I want to talk to you today about it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, is one of the most important chapters on the resurrection. But yet in that chapter, there are some really strange things. In verses 1 through 11, Paul spends 11 verses about talking about why the resurrection is not just something we believe by faith, but there is evidence for the resurrection. That Jesus showed himself to hundreds of people after he arose from the dead. And today you can know him as your personal savior, but you can also know that it is not fiction. It is the truth. It is proven by the witnesses of hundreds of people. But in verse 12, Paul begins to talk about, but what if all these people who doubt are right? What if they are right, that Jesus did not rise from the dead? that He didn't go to the cross, that that He hasn't changed our lives. And He begins to describe what that really means. And you say, why would Paul write seven verses about the hopelessness of not having Jesus? And that is because the Bible says that God wants to reach you through His goodness and His blessing. But God also knows that some of us are a little stubborn a little hard-headed. And sometimes God has to bring us to the point of nothing. We have to lose it all. We have to go through health crisis. We have to go through a job loss. We have to lose someone that we love. And then we find ourselves at rock bottom. And in that moment, through the hardships of life, when we think, what would we be without Him that we're willing to listen And so this morning, if you're here and you are on fire for God, that you were in the Easter play, you have never been closer to the Lord, I hope that you will celebrate Him. Today, if you're here, you're saying, Jake, I know I'm saved, but man, I'm running from God. It's just not, I don't know where I'm at in my relationship with Him. Today, I hope this is for you. Today, I hope if your wife or your husband drug you here today, that it's for you as well. Seventeen years ago on Christmas, I went to church because my mother asked me to. I was living in the Spot Tavern. 
I was making a mess of my life, but I went to make her happy. And the Lord forever changed my life. And so I am a firm believer that you can come to church for Christmas and Easter for the wrong reason and leave on the right team. And so today that is our prayer for you. But in verses 1 through 11, if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, the first sermon I preached, one of the shortest sermons in my life. And so if you listen well today, maybe you will be as lucky. Starting in verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you were saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, He was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. But some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly, than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, so you believe. Pray with me. Father, we thank you today for your presence in this place. We thank you for saving already today. Lord, that is only you and you alone get the credit. Father, today we pray for this congregation of people, for whatever brought them here today, whether it's joy, pain, sadness, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak and deal with them. Father, I pray that the Spirit would begin to stir and work in each of our hearts for whatever need it is. Lord, I pray for the courage to preach your word with boldness and humility. And Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we see here in verses 1 through 11 this beautiful picture of why you should believe. Why you should know that Jesus really did rise from the dead. The fact that there were hundreds of people who were willing to die for this truth that they saw. He talks about how don't believe in vain, telling us that there will be some people who will give God lip service. They will declare Him as Lord, but they won't really believe it in their heart. But in verse 12, what I want to look at today is the situation if Christ didn't rise. Because this morning I want you to know something. Whatever your belief about Jesus is today, whatever excuse you're making today, whatever feelings you have today, everything depends on the resurrection. Church might have failed you. Pastors might have hurt you. Your life might not be what you think it should be. But everything revolves around the resurrection. Everything is about what Jesus did for us. And the first thing I want to show you this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. There will always be those who do not believe the resurrection. 
There will always be those who do not believe the resurrection. Look in verse 12. Now if Christ has preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? These were intelligent Greek individuals. They didn't have a problem with the fact that Jesus had rose from the dead. They didn't think that His resurrection affected them any. It wasn't going to change their life any. It wasn't going to change their future any. That Jesus was good to worship. Jesus was good to celebrate, but yet it was important to keep Him in the religious box, not the effects everything in my life. And today that's very true. There are people who will say, hey, Easter and Christmas and hey, and, and, and certain times of year, God is, 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 is my focus. Sundays, I'm all the Lord's. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's my life. It's my pocketbook. It's my time. You know, God is, is good for salvation, but the rest of everything is mine to deal with. And friends, that's what these people were saying. They were saying the power of God is good, but it's not for everything in my life. And this morning you need to know something, that when Jesus came out of that grave and conquered death and conquered sin, He has the power to change everything. He has the power to work in your marriage. He has the power to work in your situation with other people. He has the power to work in your health issues. He has the power to work in times of loss. But you have to make a decision. Lord, I believe that you have power over everything or you have power over nothing. Lord, you can do anything or Lord, you can do nothing. Lord, you are king over all or Lord, you are king of no one. It is all or nothing. It is everything or it is absolutely nothing. And today you and I have to make that decision. God, do I believe that you are the Lord and Savior of my life completely forgiving me, completely changing me, completely giving me hope? Or Lord, it is not real. It's not true. But friends, this morning you need to know something. Your relationship with Jesus is between you and Him. You say, Jake, I'd believe but my favorite Christian artist became an atheist. It doesn't make a difference. You say, Jake, I believe but my favorite pastor made a big mistake. It doesn't matter. You say, Jake, I would believe but this church has hurt me. It doesn't matter. Paul is saying that everything that matters is the resurrection of Jesus. The fact that He died for us, the fact that He was buried for us, the fact that He arose, and all the other things of life matter, but nothing compared to that. Second thing I want to show you this morning is this. If those who don't believe are right, then everything today is hopeless. You say, well, Jake, this is not very encouraging. Listen till the end, please. In verses 13 through 17, Paul begins to talk about if there is no resurrection. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up. In fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. 
you were still in your sins. Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you are on your way to hell. I am on my way to hell because our sins have not been forgiven. And then he goes on and says, you know what? There's not even a heaven or hell if the resurrection is not true. If God is not real. If the hope that we have, the power that we have. He says, there is no answer. He says, when you go through difficulties in your life, when you lose a job, when you have marriage problems, when someone you love dies, it doesn't really matter. Because there is no God controlling things, organizing things. Everything is just a matter of chance and, and there's no, nothing to look forward to. Paul says there is no hope if the resurrection didn't happen. There's no one walking through life with you. There's no one who will never leave you or forsake you. Paul says your life today has no meaning. And neither does mine if the resurrection doesn't happen. That is why it is so important for you this morning to make this decision. I believe what the Bible says. I believe that Jesus is who He says He is. Because, friends, when you go through the ups and downs of life, when you go through the valleys and the trials and the temptations, it is only the understanding that God knows what He is doing. That God is with us in it all. That all things work to the good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. It is only in that moment that you can say, God, I don't understand it. God, I don't even like it. God, I wish it was different. But God, I can trust you because of who you are. Third and final thing. You say, holy cow, you weren't kidding. This point's a little longer. If those who don't believe are right, then there is no hope for tomorrow. You see, no hope for today is bad enough, but look at what Paul says in verses 18 and 19. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise up from the dead, everyone you have ever lost, that's it. Whether they had 20 years... 40 years, 60 years, 80 years, or 100 years, if the resurrection is not true, they are laying in a grave somewhere. And that's as good as it gets. There's no other way to believe. Either the Bible's teaching of the resurrection or that your life here is all you get. Whether it's good, whether it's bad. And Paul says, if you've lived your whole life for Jesus and the resurrection is not true, and you've wasted it because you should have done what you wanted. You should have got angry and not forgiven. You should have got angry and got vengeance. You should have spent as much as you could and not worried about paying it back. You should have lived to the most fun that you could possibly have, and you're saying, that's why I'm doing that. I want you to miss this, though, because in verse 20, Paul makes a great statement, and it's one word to start. He has took seven verses to say, if the resurrection is not true, we've got no hope. But in verse 20, he says, but. He says, I told you all that, not because I believe it, or not because it's true, but I want to show you the difference of what it means to have Jesus and not have Jesus. What it means not to have hope and to have hope. 
what it means to have a purpose, to not have a purpose. And he says, but now, instantly, immediately, always, ever present, Christ is risen from the dead. He says, yes, if it wasn't true, we would have nothing to live for. But it is! And He says, if you live your life with the understanding that Jesus loves you and died for you and was buried for you and rose from the dead and promised that the power that He has, that greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. Friends, you can live through the valleys of life. You can live through the deaths in your family. You can live through the cancer diagnosis. You can live through the betrayals. Why? Because He's alive. And no one can change that. And no one can take that away. And no one can bring that from me. Why? Because He is alive. It's what He's teaching here. Paul is not saying, I'm hopeless and I'm depressed and I'm discouraged. Paul is saying, you've got one of two ways to live your life. There is no in-between. You say, Jake, I go to church. I try to be a good person. Try to little give a money. Try to give a little bit of money when it's necessary. Those Things do not make you a Christian. They do not make you a child of God. It is only when you come to realize through the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you are lost. That you believe what the Bible says about Jesus and you put your faith and trust in Him. I was in the lobby during the song service and someone stopped me and said, this young man, Stetson, would like to be saved. I said, you want to talk about it now? He goes, I said, let's do this, man. Let's talk about it. He'd been through the play the last two nights. He's been coming to church with his grandma and grandpa. He's been exposed to the teaching of you either have the Lord or you don't. You either have hope or you don't. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're all in need of something. And under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, he realized that he needed a relationship with the Lord. He needed to be made right with God. And the only way that that could happen is by believing that Jesus rose from the dead. That Jesus took our punishment for sin and shame. And that we can have a relationship with him. You see, Paul is trying to teach us that very simple thing that it's all or nothing. You either get all of him or you have none of him. You either believe all of it or you believe none of it. Because when he talks about being risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. What Paul is saying is this. In the Old Testament, throughout the entire Old Testament, the Jewish people failed God. They stumbled. And through all the minor prophets, it points to the fact that one day Jesus is coming again. He's going to set up a kingdom on this earth and reign. The book of Revelation talks about it as the millennial reign, the 1,000 year reign of Christ. And he is going to rule the world in justice and in righteousness. The Jewish people are going to come to faith in Christ. And we are going to all worship and reign with him. 
But before that happens, the Bible tells us there is a great coming. One of these days, the Father is going to look at Jesus and say, the time has come. You need to go and get my children. The Bible says that will begin a period called the seven years of the tribulation. It will be a time of divine judgment. It's not like any other judgment that's ever happened in the human history. Not like any other persecution that's ever happened. It is when the scrolls of divine judgment are opened in the book of Revelations chapters 4 through 19. But right before God judges the world and deals specifically with the Jewish people, Jesus is coming back for His church. And friends, don't let anyone tell you that it's not coming because it is. Don't let anyone try to convince you that you're going to go through it because you're not. Because the Bible says it is a divine judgment, a specific judgment with one purpose, to bring the Jewish people back to the Lord. And you are not Jewish. And if you are Jewish, congratulations. And you're a Christian, you've got the best of both worlds. But Jesus is going to come back for His children. And the Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise. And what that means is this. Everything about you that matters is not what we see today. It's the soul. It's what God made that lives forever. It's who you are. It's how you respond to Him. And it's wrapped up in a fleshly temple. And when you take your last breath, absent from the body is present with the Lord. What they put in the ground is just the carrier not the object of God's focus. But on that day when the Lord comes, the soul is coming with Him. And the dead in Christ, every loved one that knows Jesus, that has ever died, in that moment the Bible says that body will be turned into a brand new body. A body that never wears out, that never grows old, that never experiences pain. It is called a resurrected body. And body and soul will be reunited. And it will live with the Lord forever. And what Paul says is, that's the day I'm looking for. That's the hope that I have. That I'm going to live with God forever and ever and ever. Not like this. Not overweight and back pain and hip pain and, and whatever pains you've got. No, everything's made brand new. Paul says, Jesus rose we will rise. But then the Bible says something else will happen right in that moment. And in that moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says that the, those of us who are alive will be immediately changed. We will be given a brand new body that will never wear out and grow old. And the Bible says we're leaving this world flying, not dying. And so we are with the Lord forever. But... At the end of that seven years, the Lord is coming back to destroy His enemies. The Bible talks about it over and over and over again. And we'll be coming with Him. Not to fight, not to participate, but just to watch as He destroys His enemies. And then everything will be made right. And friends, I say all of this because Paul says everything that goes on in life, all of us have loss. All of us have heartache. All of us have pain. All of us have struggles. But Paul says none of them compares to the fact that Jesus has overcome.
it all. And friends, on this Resurrection Sunday, the great message we have for you is, wherever you're at, whatever you're struggling with, the Lord can handle it. Whatever burden you're carrying, whatever loss you've experienced, whatever games you were playing with Him, today He can handle it. He loved you, cares about you. And what Paul says, you can live your life one of two ways. You can live it with all that God has to offer you. The forgiveness and peace and joy. Or you can have none of it. You say, now preacher, I've been hiding my hypocrisy for years. I've been living a little bit for Jesus and a little bit for myself for years and ain't no one knows it. God does. And what you need to know is you are robbing yourself of what God wants to give you. You're robbing yourself of the blessings and privilege that will come when you say, Lord, here I am. All of me. All of me. God, you can have every bit of my life. I'm yours. And friends, today, whatever brought you here, know that Jesus is the reason you're here. God has brought you here that you might hear there is a message of hope for each and every one of us, no matter where we've been or what we've done. If you would stand with me as we pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for its truth. Lord, thank you for your promises throughout the scriptures. Lord, at any moment you could come again to take us home. Lord, thank you for that promise. Thank you, Lord, for how you were at work. Lord, thank you for the young man that was saved. Father, today we pray that you would do it again for your glory. During this time of invitation, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit is at work dealing with any man, woman, boy, or girl that's lost. Today, Lord, they would know that you love them, that you've died for them, and that they can be saved. Lord, give them the courage to step out and come and let us share your word with them. Father, for the believer that's struggling in their faith, that's questioning, that's doubting, that's on the fence, Lord, let today be the day that you draw them close to you. And Father, for the believer that's growing and serving you, that today would be a day of great thanksgiving in all that you've done for them. But Lord, ultimately, we thank you for the resurrection, for conquering sin and death, that we might be saved. And Lord, I just ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.